Take your Bibles. I want you to turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Jonah. See if you can find the book of Jonah. It's, uh, I tell you, the way you, the way you find these books in the Bible, I learned real quick. Get your Bible with little tabs on them right here, and then you just turn right straight to them. My dear friend is here tonight. Uh, 20 some years ago, a man called me on the phone, said, I'm the head of the pastor search committee for this church, and I'm going to talk to you. Bob Dyer, and we became dear friends. And I don't know if you remember this or not, he was 74 years old when we first met 20 some years ago. And if I'm not mistaken, we're just a few days from 95. Is that right? 95 years old, birthday coming up here. So I am, congratulations, thrilled. I'll sign off on that right now. I'm thrilled with 95 to get out of here. And what a treasure he's been. We're some of the greatest people in the world. Just bless, bless, bless. All righty. Have you ever heard of Jonah? The guy that built the ark. You've heard of Jonah. Listen to me. We're going to look at Jonah tonight, but let me me tell you something. Get over the fish story. Everybody thinks about Jonah and the fish and all that stuff. That's that's not even what this is about. It's not about a fish. It's not even about a nation turning around. This is one of the greatest books in the Bible to show you the heart of God. I've learned so much out of this book that just blesses you so much. And, you know, we get caught up on the story of the fish swallowing the man and you know, call these college professors, say it's impossible. Listen, if God said, Jonah, Jonah could have swallowed the whale if God said so. I mean, it's not, it's not that big a deal. But one of the greatest revelations to your heart about what God is like in this book. And, and one of the rough revelations about what people are like. And I want you to learn something tonight from the book of Jonah. Wonderful book. I want you to look at me in Jonah chapter one. We're gonna look at the story first. The word of the Lord, verse one, chapter one, came to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. All right, he tells him, I want, Jonah was a preacher. I want you to go preach. Verse three, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. All right, where he's at, Nineveh is northeast. Tarshish is west. So he went in the opposite direction from the presence of the Lord. Went down to Joppa, found a ship, bought a ticket, went down into it to go to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Uh, the Hebrews should be from obeying God. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea or a great storm. How many of you think that the devil's behind every storm? Who's behind this storm right here? I love this kind of stuff. So that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, don't overlook that. There, any ship can stand anything on water as long as it don't touch something solid. So a ship that's broken up by a storm, this had to be the worst storm in world history. Any ship can float as long as it don't touch rocks or land or anything. But they're about to tear the ship up. Terrible storm. Verse five, the mariners were afraid, sailors. Every man cried to his God and threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Jonah had gone down into the lower parts and lay down and was fast asleep. Explain that. I've been on some, I've been on some rough places in the ocean. You can't even hardly hold on. How he slept, I don't, sort of like Jesus in Mark chapter four. Verse six, the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Maybe your God will consider us and we don't die. They said to one another, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. These are some smart people right here. They're smarter than our generation. They knew that things happened for a reason. And they said, somebody in this ship has done something and we're going to roll dice, cast lots and find out who. This was standard practice in the Bible. Do you remember when Judas hung himself and they needed another to make up the 12 and they put two men and they cast lots through dice and whoever it fell to, that's the one became... So this was common practice and it fell on Jonah. Imagine that. 
Verse eight, they said to him, please tell us for what causes this trouble? What is your occupation? I think that's pretty bad. You got to ask a preacher what he does. Where, <laughs> where do you come from? What's your country? What are you doing? He said, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. The men were terrified. They said, well, why have you done this? They knew he fled from obedience to God because he told them. They said, well, what do we have to do so we can be saved? The sea will be calm. The sea was growing worse. I mean, no, sometimes you keep your fist in his face. The storm might get worse. I like that too. All right. He said to them, pick me up, throw me in the ocean. The sea will be calm. I know this great storm is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they couldn't do it. The sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, oh, don't, don't let us perish for this man's life. Don't charge this blood against us. You, you've done as you please. They picked Jonah up, threw him in the sea. The sea ceased from its raging immediately. Demons, when are we going to learn that if we will just get right with this God, perhaps the storm will cease? Yes, sir. And it doesn't matter whether it's a family storm or a storm right inside of here. How a lot of times to stop the storm, all you have to do is just do what he told you to do. And so the storm stops immediately. And uh, verse 17, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, three nights. And maybe you think, maybe you think we could consider that what we'd call an attitude adjustment. You notice that, that he stayed in there a while. You know why I'm laughing. Y'all ever been here? Buddy, I have. Ain't no fun in the belly of the fish. And so he's got him in a place right there where he can't do anything. Verse two, then Jonah prayed. He didn't have to wait till then. He could have, he could have done right to start with. All right, he paid a great prayer and he talked about so-and-so. But let's look at one verse in the prayer. Chapter two, verse nine. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. You know what he said? I'm going to listen to you from now on. I, I vowed one day that I would follow God and I haven't done it. And now I'm in a mess. And this pain that I'm in has caused me to change my heart. And I've decided I worship you from now on. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I look at the kindness of God. All he had to do was say, I'll just do what you told me to do. The kindness of God. Verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I'm, I'm so mean to be laughing. I'd love to sing that. Yeah. <laughs> You've been in this fish for three days. Don't you know them stomach enzymes had to have some kind of effect on your clothes? Or uh, You know how it is when your hand's been in water for an hour or so? Imagine your face after all that time in there. And I guess this whale just got up to the, like close as he could to the sand. God just took him with, whop, and, whop, and, and just out he tumbled. Don't you know he was, I'd repent too if he preached to me. It came looking like, so it got him out of there. But the point is, the point is, we got to learn to see the hand of God in our lives. In, in all the things that go on. And so he, he got his heart right. Verse three, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Isn't he good to keep telling us? Arise to go to Nineveh, that, Nineveh, that great city. By the way, Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. 120,000 people, the size of Greensboro. It was the largest city in the known world at that time. So we're talking about a huge mass of people in that day. Preached it to the message, I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of course he did. No more fish for me. He went according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three-day journey. He began to enter the city of the first day's walk, and he cried out and said, 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. That's his whole message. He didn't say you need to repent. He didn't say you need to turn. He just said, in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. That was his message. And that's all he said. And it was just the message of judgment on these people. 
So verse five, anytime you see the word so in the Bible, understand we did this because you did what's above me. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. You can read on even the king said, everybody, nobody moves, everybody pray. And the whole city immediately, this wicked city immediately turned their hearts to God and repented of their sin. Just, just, just like that. It, this was a, had, had nothing to do with Jonah. Jonah was just a warm body. It was the work of God to turn their hearts back toward him. And it was a tremendous work of God. All right, <clears throat> watch what happens. And uh, verse 10, then God saw their works, their repentance, that they turned from their evil ways and God relented or repented, which means to change from the disaster he'd said he would bring on them and he did not do it. Get a little ahead of myself here. God didn't want to judge those people anyway. In his great kindness, he wanted to help them. All right, but here's the problem with preachers and people, Christians. Verse four, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. Explain that to me. He just preached the greatest revival in world history. Everybody in the city turned to God when he preaches and he's mad about it. If I got 120 people to get 120,000 to get saved, I'd be having a hallelujah fit. I can't even get y'all to stay awake through a sermon. And he got the whole city turned around. And now he's angry. What, what's this in the Bible for? Boy, look at, look, at, look at the spirit of religion. Got on this man. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. Watch this, verse two. He prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Watch what he said. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. Tell me why he didn't go there. Not because he was scared they wouldn't believe him. He thought they would believe him. He didn't want these people to get help. I watch this. One of the greatest verses in the Bible, Jonah 4, 2. He prayed, is this not what I said? I fled. I know, look at this. I know you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who turns from doing harm. He said, I knew how good you were. You're better than I am. You didn't want to judge these people. You were trying to help these people. And I'm mad about it because they deserve their judgment. But I know how kind you are. And that's why he just, he's just off on a rant here. There, now you talk about a bad attitude, verse three. Therefore, oh Lord, please take my life. Preachers are nuts. Now last Sunday, I told you church folks is crazy. Preachers are crazy. What is wrong with this guy? He, he preaches, the whole city is saved and it makes him so mad he wants to die now. This is a dangerous thing right here. And to be honest with you, it gets on all of us once in a while. And he said, I just, I just soon die. Better to die than live. And the Lord said to him, is it right for you to be angry? Obviously, what's the answer? No, you shouldn't be. What's he mad about? Tell me what he's mad about. Many people in the Bible were mad about this. The kindness of God. He's mad about the goodness. You remember somebody else being mad about the goodness of God in Luke chapter 15, verse 28. Prodigal son comes home. Father embraces him. And his elder brother heard it. And he, the Bible said, verse 20, he was angry. Angry at what? He, was mad at, he wasn't mad at the older brother. He was mad at the father. He was mad about the goodness of God. Let me ask you a question. As a, as a serious Christian, you know what that means. Because you come to church on Wednesday nights. You've got to be serious you come on Wednesday night. Don't you think them folks ought to get it once in a while? Don't you think they deserve what's coming to them? That's the spirit of Jonas. Also the spirit of religion. All righty. 
All right, no, you talk about funny. Jonah's a nut. Verse five, I probably shouldn't have said it. Verse five, Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, made himself a shelter, sat under it in the shade that he might see what would become of the city. He just walks off. There's a little hill. He goes out, he sits down. He just sits there hoping God will change his mind and kill him. He's gonna sit here and watch. And maybe he will get mad at him. You talk about messed up preachers. And he's just gonna watch and see what happens. And the Lord God prepared a plant. You talk about the kindness of God. The Lord prepared a plant, made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Thank you very much. In his great, how many of you know this is a preacher with a bad attitude? And in his great kindness, God makes this plant grow in just a few minutes and it's shade for his bad attitude head. (laughs) He's shading this preacher. And Jonah says, well, thank you for the plant. I mean, just, all right. Now watch this. Can you see God working in this man's life even with a bad attitude? Verse seven, as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. It damaged the plant and killed it. It happened when the sun rose, God prepared a violent east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head. He grew faint and he wished to die and said, I'd just rather die. We got an attitude problem here. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about a plant? You're mad about a plant dying? He said, it is right. Can y'all see what's happening here? 120,000 people fixing to burn in hell and it meant nothing to him. One plant dies and he has a spell. You talking about getting your priorities out of order on what's eternally important? (laughs) You want to see the mercy of God? If I'd have been God, I'd have twisted that little bald head off. I mean, I'd have had all I could take of him. (laughs) But he's even kind in bad attitudes. Here's the great verse. The Lord said, you have had pity on the plant. You didn't, you didn't, let, you didn't make that plant grow. It wasn't your plant. It's my plant. Here's the great verse. Should I not pity Nineveh? Now the word pity in the Bible means have a tender heart or have compassion. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, that great city? More than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left. Well, God busted him. He said, you're upset about a plant dying. You don't think I should have mercy on this great city? These people didn't know they were sinning against me. That's what it means. They didn't know their right hand from, they couldn't discern. They didn't know what they were doing. And uh, so we got a little problem here between them. All right, lessons from the Jonah that applied all this. Number one, our father's kindness is greater than man's blindness. God's kindness is greater than my blindness. We're, We're too hard on people sometimes. The kindness of God is greater than man's blindness. I want, I want you to notice in verse, chapter four, verse 11, he said, these people don't know they're sinning against me. Now they were, he called them wicked, but he said, do you really think these people know who I am and they got their fist in my face? Listen to me, a little teenage girl grows up in a home where Jesus isn't there. God knows what happens to that poor girl. She runs off with some guy looking for love in all the wrong places, gets pregnant. Do you really think she sat down one day and said, let me wreck my life? She didn't know any better. She did the best she could with what she had. And I want you to notice what he said. Should I not be compassionate on people who really don't know what they're doing? And here he points out the blindness of humanity and their sin and what we're doing and and the kindness of God. You got to understand something. People are not stupid. People are blind. There's a big difference between stupid and blind. I want to look it up sometime. Second Corinthians chapter uh, four, verses three and four say this. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. They can't, the light of the gospel can't get in. See me and you know the truth. 
We know the truth of Jesus. We know right from wrong. We were raised in homes. You know, we've had the Bible. We've been taught. Those people out there have no idea. You know, you, you, uh, you say to a teenage girl, you can't be sleeping with them boys in your high school. She goes, why? They don't know. Do, do you really think people try to tear their homes up? Do you really think people try to screw their lives up? People are doing the best they can. But what's happened? The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who can't hear the voice of God. They're doing the best they can, but their lives are a crapper. And, and see, church people look down on them and say, y'all be ashamed of yourself. No, they're blind. They can't see this. And God has mercy where, where what's, what's the preacher? Preacher, kill them. Judge them for living like they do. God sees their blindness. And he understands the blindness that's in people. And we, we need to understand that. I want you to look something with me. Turn with me, let's look at the grace of God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. If you're familiar, you know what Luke chapter 23 is. This is where Jesus is nailed to the cross. Uh, we need to be more like God and less like Jonah. I should have got amen out of that. We need to be more like God and less like Jonah. <laughs> you know why Jonah was like Jonah was? Because he saw it from a man's perspective. You know why God was like he is? Because he sees it from heaven's perspective. And we need to see from heaven's perspective. All right, Luke chapter 23, this is, you know what this is. This is where Jesus was, was abused. Uh, we're not gonna go through it because you've seen it, I'm sure. He was manhandled so violently and beaten so brutally, spit upon, cursed. He was absolutely abused by humanity and they nailed him to a cross. How many of you, if people did you that way, would you wanna sort of react a little rough with them? All right, watch this. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. That's not the big part. They do not know what they do. Why are people acting like they act today? People really don't know what's going on. People really don't have understanding. Our, our nation's lost its mind. But li listen to me. This nation did not sit down and calculate. I will put my fist in God's face. They aren't even thinking about that. They, they're blind. And Jesus, to the very men who beat the living hell out of him, stripped him naked, hung him on a cross. He said, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. This is the heart of God, that he understands the blindness of humanity and shows mercy in people's blindness. You know, one of my pet peeves is religious people that come down too hard on people. And I've watched people damaged and bruised by Jonas all my 40 years in this line of work. And uh, did you notice Jesus never came down on sinful people. Who'd he come down on? Preachers hard preachers. You know, the woman at the well, I wave my God Almighty, we'd have a fit with her. Jesus never said a word to her about her sins. But the preachers, he, you talk about ugly. Listen, I, I'm not near as ugly as Jesus was. I ain't never called nobody's mama a snake. Can I get a witness? I ain't never said that before as he called the preachers. But the kindness of God, listen, we need to be like him. All right. The woman at the well, she bad news. She's the town hussy. She'd slept with everybody in town. I guarantee she didn't get invited to the women's missionary luncheon or whatever they had. But Jesus approached her. He never said a word about her sin to start with. He looked beyond her sin and saw her need. What's the first thing he ever said to her? This lifestyle is never going to let your heart find what it's looking for. You'll never keep drinking this water. You'll thirst again. He understood that she was not a, a slut. He understood that she was looking for something, but she didn't know where to look. Those people are blind. They don't know where to look. They don't know what to do. And so he, he loved her and he said to her, he didn't say you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He said, what you're looking for in men, you'll find in me. Yes. 
follow me, I'll give you living water. You keep drinking this, you keep running with these bozos, you never, your heart's gonna be broken and empty the rest of your life. Come with me, your heart will find what it's looking for. And he did help her, he did deal with her sin. The woman caught in adultery, the preachers wanted to kill her. Jesus said, start over. He understood that she wasn't, she wasn't, she didn't have her fist in God's face. She didn't know. She's doing the best she could. And Jesus didn't beat her up. Preachers wanted to beat her up. Jesus wanted to pick her up. And what did he say? Go. What's the word go mean? Start your life over. He wanted to help her do better. And we have to be very careful that we don't, you know, when, when we're all heathens, we're just running from God. But when we become Christians and followers of God, it's too easy to get in that Jonah spirit. We look down our noses at them sinners and they're going to, they, you're going to get yours one day. <laughs> Why don't you just go sit on a hill and wait for them to get it? Just be like Jonah. <laughs> well, you know, the woman at the well, what about the woman at the Waffle House? You know why people work at Waffle House? They need a job. You know why ladies are working at the Waffle House late at night? They're doing the best they can. And the last thing they need is some Christian coming to look down their nose at them because they got three youngins with no man. See, God understands. The heart of God is they don't know their right hand from their left. Should I not have what? Should I judge these people? No, I'll have compassion on these people because they don't know their right hand from their left. As Jesus said, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. I don't think people have got their fist in God's face on purpose. I, you ask people, listen, especially those of you that are my age, maybe 50 and up. You ask a 20-some-year-old, you know Jesus, you know what they're going to say. Is, is that the guy with the cross? They don't know anymore. They're clueless. They don't know right from wrong. That's why Jesus had compassion on them. And this is one of the greatest truths. I, I was in a... Uh, by the way, when I pray for America, I pray out of this book right here. Nineveh is a picture of America, the great nation that is in sin against God and is headed toward judgment. And I hear people praying, it's almost like they want America to get it. No, we need to pray from the heart of God, not the heart of Jonah. We need to pray from the heart of God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, oh God. All right, Mark Walker, who was our congressman when he was our congressman uh, a little recently, he would have ministers meetings here. I'd host them and he'd, he'd bring in local preachers. We'd come here and he'd catch us up on what's going on in Washington. And then he wanted to listen. And we had one and he said, uh, he said, ask me, he said, how about you? Let's pray for our nation. You lead us. And I took just a moment and I said, from the book of Jonah, let me know, tell you what I know about America. We got to pray from this vantage point. His kindness is still greater than our blindness in this nation. We have to pray from the heart of God for this nation. Let me tell you, well, we'll, we'll get that in a little bit, but you need to understand something. <clears throat> God's not near as mean as some preachers are. That's the message of the book of Jonah. <laughs> preachers want to bury you. God wants to help you. All right, number two, second great lesson. The heart of God takes no delight in judgment. He didn't want to judge those people. How many of you, if your child got sideways, would you want them to suffer and go to hell? He takes no delight in judgment, unlike people. Some people, I don't know, they just want people to get it. Jonah, the elder brother, some Christians. Let me give you a picture. Years ago, 9-11, uh, you know, America was hit. Worst catastrophe on our soil. It was masterminded by a man named Osama bin Laden. All right, some years later, uh, a Navy SEAL team breached his compound and got in there and they went after bin Laden. They got in there. Six SEAL members went in there. Two went in the room one of the guys that went in his bedroom was tied to our church here. His grandmother and father were members here and went to church here. They both passed away now. 
He's not the one that pulled the trigger, but he's one of the two that went in the room there. Of course, they shot Bin Laden, took him out. Do you remember what happened in, in our nation and around the world when Bin Laden was killed? What happened? People cheered. They went in the streets cheering that he'd been killed. Did God cheer? I want you to look at something with me. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33. I'm seeing this Jonah spirit come out in politics, preachers today. In Ezekiel 33, I want you to see something. I want you to always remember this verse and adjust your heart to this verse. Ezekiel chapter 33. These people were in trouble and uh, judgment was coming. I want you to listen to what he said in verse 11. Ezekiel 33, let me see Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. If you see Daniel, back up one. Ezekiel 33, 11, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why do you have to die? Hear the heart of God right there. He didn't rejoice when bin Laden was killed. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked. He is far more merciful than people are. Even when people deserve judgment. He has a merciful heart toward people when that happens. Listen, if you're praying for a a child or a parent or a friend, I don't know, somebody that doesn't know Jesus, let me tell you the verse, let me tell you where you need to cling to. The Bible said, take the word of God praying. You need to pray for people with the word of God in your mind. Second Timothy, excuse me, first Timothy chapter two, verses one through four says this. I would that men pray always, listen to verse four, God who desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and walk in the truth and experience the goodness of God. There's not one human being he wants to be judged. Now he, he is a just God. And if you, if you continue, he won't judge you. You really judge yourself. But he not only wants every person to be saved, your children, your friends, he wants everybody to find Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, it was for everybody. And he not only wants people to be saved more than that, he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants you to walk in the freedom and the joy and the peace of the truth that Jesus, he wants everybody to come to abundant life, everybody. Had Osama bin Laden repented, God would have been merciful to him and given him a great life. He'd have spent his life in prison. But you say, well, that, that's just, that's not fair. You ain't him, Jonah. <laughs> you ain't him. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Yes. By the way, we're all under the mercy plan, whether you knew it or not. I, I, should, I, I better say that again. We're all under the mercy plan. Whether you, I think something about all have sinned. I'm not sure. You probably didn't. But anyway, there is no city on this planet that has treated God worse. What city? Jerusalem. No city has treated him. But he said, I've sent you prophets. You stoned them. I, I sent you preachers. You turned them away. You have rebelled against me. There is no city on this planet that has treated God worse than Jerusalem. And yet Luke 19, 41, Jesus, after doing all he could right before the end of his ministry, he approached Jerusalem. Luke 19, 41 said, when he approached Jerusalem, he stood and he wept over it. God stood and wept over Jerusalem and said, all I wanted to do was gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't have me. And now you're left to your judgment because you chose. That's the heart of God, that his heart, he'd do anything in the world to bring people to himself. Now, let me tell you, if, that, if Jesus wept over that wicked city, John 14, 9, what do we study on Sunday mornings? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God weeps over people uh, in his tender heart because he, he knows. So we need to memorize these great verses like Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, 
slow to anger, great in mercy, good to all. And his tender mercies, his tender mercies are behind everything he does. His tender mercies over all of his works. And as we get in this word, he begins to give us a picture of the goodness of God. The third thing we learn from the book of Jonah that applies to us today. Salvation is 100% of the Lord. You, you didn't go begging him for nothing. This city was wicked. They had sinned against him. They had dishonored him. He had everything to do with their salvation. He sent the preacher to talk to him. Can I get a witness? He sent the preacher to talk to him. Why did they repent? It's, it's, it was because they heard the message. No, it's not. How many people hear the message and don't repent now? He caused them to turn to him. Now you, you need to hear this. He caused them to turn to him. Two verses you need to always remember when you're praying for people or yourself or whatever. Romans 3 verses 10 and 11. There, uh, there is none who seeks after God. No, not one. Nobody is ever looking for anything from God unless he makes it happen. John 6 verse 44. No one comes to me unless the father who sent me draws him. <laughs> John 6, well, the next verse, verse 45 says, it is written, they shall all be spoken to by God and everyone that God speaks to will come to Jesus. People ask me once in a while, when did you find Jesus? I wasn't looking for Jesus. I didn't find Jesus. He found me. I, I, I wanted nothing. To, I was using his name in vain. You know, I was, I was headed to hell, a pagan. Last thing I wanted was this religious stuff because I'd seen so many church members. I don't, I don't know why. He fell on me one night without my asking him to. I mean, he just got on me. I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. I did. For about two hours, I wandered in the woods. Then I went and woke a man up and I said, something's wrong with me. What is it? But this was one of those old time preachers who understood God. He said, son, you, you're not having a nervous me. He said, that's the conviction of God's spirit on you. I said, what do I need to do? He said, you need to get on the ground and tell God you're sorry. I didn't do that. I wasn't looking for him. I was running from him. He ran me down just like he ran these people, just like he ran you down. He said, well, no, my mama told me and I accepted Jesus. God was all over it. No, he, he is 100% everything in our salvation. I guess you think I'm Calvinist now. I don't understand all that stuff. I got on that ground and I saw Jesus on the cross and it was like I had put him there by myself. And then he saved me and blessed me. I had nothing to do with it. I don't think I could have, I, I don't know. I'm not a theologian. I'm a truck driver. I just know God is good. That's all I know. But the salvation of Nineveh was 100% God. Jonah was just a warm body. He had to twist around to get there finally. Oh my goodness. I want you to listen to what I'm fixing to teach you. God conceals himself from us so that we can protect our free will. He, he, he conceals himself from us to honor our free will. The desire of God is not that you obey him because you have to. The desire of God is that you love him and that you honor him because you love him. Yes. Amen. I mean, no, he's big enough. He could force us to do anything. I don't, he doesn't want to force us. He wants us to come of our own free will. All right, let me say something. I'm going to show you this in scripture. I'm going to give you a revelation. You know, our, our nation is anti-God today, pretty much. Um, you know, the media, education, we got our fist in his face. You know that. <clears throat> all he'd have to do, all he'd have to do is just show himself a little bit. Every human being in this nation would hit the dirt. Amen. And we would, the rest of our lives, we wouldn't dare disobey him. Amen. He's that big. But he won't do that. You know why? It'd scare us spitless and we'd obey him out of fear. He wants lovers, not servants. Amen. Let me show that to you in Revelation chapter six when it's gonna happen. Revelation is where we get a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Um, you know, we have, this is called the Lamb's Chapel. Our little logo is the shepherd holding the lamb. That is not who Jesus is. That's who he was. He borrowed that human body for just a few days, but that is not who he is. If you want to know what he looks like now, you have to read, you know what the full title of Revelation is? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to find out what he looks like today, you have to read the book of Revelation. All right, we have, uh, uh, let, me, let me just read it here. Uh, verse 14, talking about the future when this happens. The sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up. You ever heard that? We sing a song, it is well with my soul. One of the verses starts, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. That's where it came from. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Watch these words. The kings of the earth, great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men. Who are we talking about? The Elon Musks, the pro athletes, the uh, Tom Hanks, the, the powerful men, Putin, you know, Biden, Rocket Man, all these powerful people. They, these are the great people of the earth. One of these days they're going to see Jesus. That's what it means. The sky's going to be rolled back. All the great men of the earth are going to see Jesus. Watch this. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Lamb? The rock, Dwayne Jackson. Could you see him begging and trembling a mountain to cover him from a lamb? What's this? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If he were to reveal himself, every human being on this planet would hit the dirt and never disobey him again. But he conceals himself so that he can honor our free will. He, he shows us just enough of him to believe that he's there, to know that he's good, to know that there's an eternity, to know that he'll bless those who walk with him. But if he showed us who he was, every human being on this planet would hit the dirt. But he hides himself. And in his great kindness, he works to bring people to himself and in his mercy. So uh, don't, don't, um, don't be nervous about um, pagans whooping him. It ain't going to happen. Uh, and listen, as far as Christians, you know, in the Revelation chapter one, turn the page back, two pages back, Revelation chapter one, John, who was the closest man to Jesus on the earth, he's, this is 60 years later. Jesus has been crucified. He's gone back to heaven. This is 60 years later. This is 95 AD, uh, 92, 3 AD. Jesus went back to glory in 33 AD. John's been exiled to the island of Patmos for loving Jesus. Watch what he said in verse 10, chapter one, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Jesus shows up and talks to him. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. So John got to look at what he looks like now. And what did he say? I, I like to kill me. He just hit the ground like a dead man. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And yet all that power and all that glory, heaven is my throne. David, turn, uh, turn your thing off. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. And yet he humbles himself to make a poor man his friend and comes down with a tender heart to take care of people. All right, let me, let me, do, let me do another here. Mystery of mysteries. You know, one of the greatest mysteries of my life why does God use imperfect people? I have no idea. I, I can't even answer that. Why did he mess with Jonah? How many of you would have said to Jonah, fine, go get a job at Dollar General. I find me a preacher who wants to cooperate. <laughs> Why did he keep messing with Jonah? You think he didn't know what Jonah was like? You think there's anything he don't know? <laughs> but in his kindness, he's working with Jonah to help these people. Why didn't he just go talk to him? Why didn't he send an angel? Angels don't give him this kind of grief. You know what the answer is? I don't have a clue. 
it is the mystery of mysteries that he takes people and uses people to help other people. Uh, only one time in world history has he let an angel do our job. Do you remember when it was? Luke chapter two, those shepherds. First time Jesus was ever talked about, the angels appeared and said, Jesus is born, go find him. And that's the only time it ever let happen. Even in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius was praying, he said to Cornelius, an angel came to him and said, go get Simon. Simon will come tell you how to get saved. Why did an angel just do it? He has a sign helping people to men and women and for mystery of mysteries that he wants. To, why would he trust this to me? It's just the kindness. Of, I don't know. It's just the kindness of God that he would do this, that he would turn this over to you and me. The only thing I can tell is the, I'm a, I've prayed about this for years. Why do you let people like me? Why do you give me the care of these people? Shouldn't you have had Gabriel come do it? All right. The best I can tell, I was praying one day and he pointed me back to, uh, I have a wood shop. I've always liked working with wood. I have a wood shop on the farm there. And when my son was a little fella, I'd take him to the wood shop with me and we'd do things. We had a big time in the wood shop. We'd make things, make furniture and stuff like that. I have a big time. We're just piddling. And, um, <clears throat> the, and I, I, the best times I ever had were with him in that wood shop. I loved having him in there, little fella. But now listen to me. I didn't need him in there. Matter of fact, truth of the matter is, he slowed me down when he was in there. It's not that he's not smart, he's little. And you know, you gotta go slower with little hands, teaching them how to do stuff and keep them little fingers away from saws and all. And he, I could have done it better without him. I could have done it faster without him. But my joy was in working with my son. Of course, now he's much better than I am at it. I was praying one day and I think he put that on my heart. He said, I could do this without y'all, but I love to bring y'all into what I'm doing. I just enjoy having y'all help me with what I'm doing. And that's why the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 3, we are co-partners together with God to help people. He could do this without us, but it's just the mercy of God to bring us into what he's doing and to help people and then to enjoy us. Therefore, therefore, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I hope you hear this tonight. Luke 2, 49, I must be about my father's business. Yes. Uh, it's not about good or bad. It's not being a good person or a bad business, bad person. It's about being about my father's business. I'm gonna spend my life doing that which lasts for eternity. I'm not gonna spend my life peddling on stuff that's not gonna last for eternity. John 6, 27, Jesus said this, labor not for the meat that perishes, but labor for the meat that endures to eternal life. I don't wanna do church work. I, I don't wanna, I, I, I recreate, I do things. I watch TV with my wife. I, I like to watch Hallmark movies. She likes to watch Wicked Tunis. We have to sort of meet in the middle there sometimes. <laughs> We do that. I, I love to bicycle. I love to exercise. I love to fish. But all that's a little bit of piddling I do on the side. I live my life to labor for that which is of eternal value. I want to be a part of what God's doing for eternity. Guess why? It's only going to last for eternity. And I must be about my father's business. And uh, Jonah had an opportunity. God pulled even a rebellious, bad-attituded preacher. And God brought him into that. that has it. There are 120,000 people in heaven right now because God brought that preacher into what he was doing. Isn't that good news? Amen. So I'm, I'm not that good a person. And who was Jonah? And why is this in the Bible? He'll, he'll even take a knothead to get you there. Listen, I want every one of you, I want you to be more than saved. I want you to have a part of what God's doing in eternity. Yes. I'm telling you, there's gonna come a day when judgment's coming. And it's not, that, it's not the bad versus the good. It's the God versus the garbage. It's all the good things we did that didn't matter for eternity. Labor for the meat that does not perish in your prayers 
and in things we do. Listen, let's live for stuff that's going to be here 10,000 years from now. I, that's, I just love that kind of stuff to be a part of what he's doing. Let me do one more. Uh, maybe. Here's the message of Jonah. You need to learn to see God working in your life. Did y'all see God working in Jonah's life? Trying to tell him what to do. And then when he got out of line, he brought the storm on. A lot of people don't think he'll bring a storm on his life. Why do you think this is in the Bible? King David, you can read about his storm in, in, in the Psalm where he said, day and night, your hand was heavy. I've had people say to me, Brother Brown, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm so miserable. And I said, well, start obeying him and the storm will be over. Don't go Zanax, don't go Xanax, go repentance. <laughs> Repent. This man, this man is serious about being your father and you need to see him and stuff. Don't see God in your life. We got, we got a, we're wondering, you know, the enemy gets in our head and says, he don't even know you exist. He gave his son for you. His hands on your life. One verse should settle the whole thing. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And he is so determined when he said in Ephesians 2.10, you are my handiwork. I created you in Christ Jesus for good works, good works, that you're to walk in them till you see me face to face. Let's be a part of what he's doing. Yes, sir. Let's get it. I promise you when he says good, good means good. And let's be a part of it. Now listen, you need to see him in, you need to see him in the blessings. I watched uh, this fellow sent me a video a little while ago of a, a man in India He's born and he has no movement whatsoever. Lives in a little shack. His mother picks him up and carries him like a baby. He's in his 30s now. She's carried him every step, fed him every bite. They live in the most pitiful conditions. And he's crying and he said, she's getting so old she can't pick me up and I don't know what'll happen to me. They have no safety net. There's no government care over there. And I think here I am healthy as a rock, able to get up every morning by myself, got plenty to eat, got a beautiful home to live in. I have nothing to complain about. That is the kindness of God. You think I'm better than that man? It's the kindness of God that we've been, but you need to see him in your blessing, but you need to see him in the storms too. Preachers love to talk about storms. I don't know what it is that about us with them storms. You need to see him in the storms. Listen to him, have enough sense to know when everything's falling apart and nothing will straighten out, you might ought to look up and say, you talking to me? Don't ask me. I'll tell him, you know, he's talking to you. Ask him if he's talking to me. <laughs> You know why it's so funny to me? I was called to preach. Before I knit you in the womb, I appointed you a prophet to, and you'll go to who I tell you to go to. I've tried to run from preaching half a dozen times. It is so funny when I try to not preach. It's just hilarious. And uh, all right, I, I took a little time off one time, 20 some years ago, and uh, had a guy, he was a High Point City policeman and he was about to starve. They didn't make anything. So he came to work with me. And I think he tripled his income coming to work with me. And we, we were going to New York City. We're hauling furniture from High Point to New York City back and forth. That's, yeah, that's just, I'd, I'd rather preach and do that. So in New York City up there, and we're up there, and it had been the week from hell. Everything went wrong. Everything was just a mess. And he was hilarious. We're having the best time. And finally, we got done one night, and we're in New York City. I'm driving, and I stopped at the light, and the truck just died. Just died. <laughs> brand new Mac Duraliner. That's a brand new truck. Just died. And sat there for me, he looked at me, he said, Jonah, I'm throwing you out of this truck. I'm taking it back home. And he was convinced that my rebellion had caused all that trouble, probably had. But dear ones, I want you to see God in your life and understand. Let me throw in one more real quick. Jonah said, I will do what I vowed. He made a promise to God, I'll serve you. 
Anybody ever made a vow to him? If you made a vow, he will finish it. It's not up to you to finish it. Jonah made a vow and God finished what he vowed. And he worked in his life. If you made a vow, he'll finish it. You don't have to understand what he's doing. You don't have to see how he'll do it. But I'm gonna tell you something. He is so good. If you ever make a vow to him, he'll hear it and he'll carry you through the rest of your life. What if you really screw up and run from him? Call Simon Peter and ask what he'll do. He'll run you down and he won't beat you up. He'll just ask you one question. You still love me? And if you say, yes, sir, I still love you. He's going to say, go play golf. <laughs> no. <laughs> Take care of my people. Take care of my, there was with him. Listen to me, listen to me. What do you learn from Jonah and every other book in the Bible? With God, it is all about people. It's all about helping people. It's all about taking care of people and loving people and caring for them. All right, I'm going to quit by asking you a question. A couple of questions. Where are you at in your life right now? When we read the Bible, we don't need to read stories. We need to read what he says and then say, now, how does this apply to me right now? What does your word say? A Bible story is no good just for decoration. You need to say, now, where does this apply to me right now? Let me ask you a question. Where are you at in life right now? Are you, uh, are you in one of those storms? Are you in one of those God-caused storms because you're headed in the wrong direction? Let me make an announcement. Run all you want to. The storm ain't going to let up. Do you notice what I noticed with Jonah? The harder he tried to run, the worse the storm got. So I'm like, Jonah, I delight in this stuff. Where are you at in life right now? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If, if that's not, I'm not talking about having bad days, but if your life is just in a mess, maybe you should ask him, are you trying to say something to me? Right, let me ask you another question. We're seeing this happen today. Are you angry? Are you like Jonah? Are you just, are you just mad all the time because of the way them evil people are acting? We need to get off that in this nation. Christians have no business sitting on the hill hoping God will kill somebody. We need to get off this political mess. We are intercessors. We're not agents of fire. And we need to get off. Of, listen, this thing has crept into American Christianity where both sides want to kill each other. That's Jonah. That's the spirit of Jonah. It's not the spirit of God. We're intercessors. We pray for people with a broken heart. We don't want to call down fire on people. Or are you in cooperation with him right now? I know people get ill at us old preachers and we talk about down yonder. Well, they call it pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. I want to make an announcement. There's something coming out yonder. And a wise man would look down the road a little bit. You, listen, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be great. You give your life to Jesus and you love him and you help people best you can. I want to tell you something. They're going to come a day when he's going to smile at you and say, well done. And you're going to be glad you went that route. It's going to be worth it. And the encouragement that I get from the book of Jonah, if a knothead like Jonah, I probably, that's not going to go over well, is it? I get an email out of that probably. What's the, what's the message? Of the, what's God saying to me and you through Jonah? I'll take anybody. Even if you struggle, I'll use you to help people. I'll use anybody to help people. And I'll even... I'll even work with your mistakes. I was told one time, I first started preaching fellowship, you're not educated enough, you're not polished enough. I said, and? And he said, all you're ever going to get is the people nobody else wants. For 30 years, I've been praying, send me the people nobody else wants. Guess what Jesus calls the people nobody else wants? Mine. I love this stuff. I really am polished. I got coats and ties and all. I could deck out a little bit and I could speak well if I had to, but I'm not going to. 
I want, and I want you to know what it's like to be able to be like this man, even if you struggle. I want you to see God change people's lives through you. I, I want us to be a part of that right there. All right, Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your kindness. You're not getting much press these days, Jesus. Nobody's paying you much attention these days. We've sort of kicked you to the curb in the nation. Christians are not being persecuted. They're being ignored. But I praise you that you still rule heaven and earth. I praise you that it's still all about you. The only reason this planet exists is for you. And so you can get a bride for eternity. And even though you're not in the press these days and everybody's sort of looked away from you, I praise you that my father is still working in this earth and people's lives are still on the line. I don't want to spend my life accumulating wealth. I don't even know if I want to spend it much helping things on the earth. It's not, it's not bad. I want to spend my life making an eternal difference. I pray for this group right here that we, like, like you taught Jonah the hard way, would learn to think eternally because eternity's coming. And I just want to praise you and thank you. This book shows me the kindness of God. It shows me the heart of God. And, and it shows me my own bad attitudes at times where I'm harder on people than you are. And I want to praise you and thank you. God forbid that I would ever look at people and judge them unless I look at them through your eyes of mercy. Trust you for that. And Lord Jesus, I'm going to keep praying until the day I fall over. Send me the woman at the Walmart. Send me the pregnant teenagers. Send me the people that nobody else wants. They're your special treasures. And I pray to you all the time, raise up a house where people can find you. Raise up a place where the, you said, go into your city and bring the lame and the broken and the maimed that my house might be full. I pray that we would hear the heart of God. And I ask you to raise up a house where those that have been kicked to the curb can find the God that loves them. I trust you for that. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. Thank, thank you that we didn't go looking for you. You came looking for us and found us. We give you all the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.